I always get a little nervous when the percussionist starts to sing, but man, good job. Man, I'm telling you. Good job. So uh, it was good hanging out with you guys, those of you that went over and ate. We had some soul food next door. It was really good. So if you see Dorothy, tell her thank you as well. She put that together. So yeah, good job. So congratulations, uh, Christina, and congratulations, Reese. Yeah. New job, passed all your tests. Congratulations on that. Yeah. So it's super cool when you see somebody that has gone so far off of the rails really come back and come back strong and come back and accomplish things that they didn't think they could accomplish. They could accomplish. It's super Super encouraging, it's super cool, it's super awesome to see, and that's what makes this a family. That's what makes this ministry kind of unique among recovery ministries, as we have been going since 2004, and I still know some of the people from back in 2004 that still occasionally come here and still hang out, so it's a family you know, and like I was telling somebody earlier, you may not always like your family, you may not always get along with your family, but, but we, are the, we are a family, amen? And that's what it's about. So I've entitled the message when Romans 7 is bound by sin, and Nate stole a bunch of my stuff yesterday. I was telling Michelle, man, Nate, stop, get out of Romans 7, you're taking all my stuff. Um, but, so my, but I made it into a question, bound by sin, because really, that's a question, are we truly bound to our old life, or are we not? As I said last week, it's a choice. It's a responsibility that we have that if we say, I no longer want to be bound to sin, if we look at the example of baptism, death, burial, and resurrection, that's something we have to decide that we want to do with the sin that's in our life. Galatians 5.1 says, it says, for freedom's sake that Christ set us free. Um, are we bound by sin? Only if we choose to be bound by sin because it is a choice. It's nobody else's fault. It's not your mama's fault. It's not your old lady's fault. It's not your girlfriend's fault. It's not your kid's fault. It's not your boss's fault. It's whether or not we decide we want to move forward, right? Nate, Nate and I asked, I, asked, I asked Louis, did Nate give you permission to use you as an example? You know, because he used the example of a bank robber, you know? And I, I think it's so cool that I know a bank robber, right? I, I do. I, seriously, I, I think that, that's cool. I said, yeah, I know a bank robber. Um, and he's like a great guy. Um, but... When, when he got caught or when he surrendered, right, he served his time, all right? So he was released from that, that crime. You know, when we do something, we may have natural consequences. Those we can't necessarily excuse. You know, if you get in trouble, if you get a speeding ticket, you got to pay a ticket. Sometimes it's ouch, 
man, that's a lot of money for running a stop sign, 400 bucks, are you kidding? You know, you may not agree with it, but sometimes there are consequences to our actions. If we, if we rob a bank, or if we rob two banks, we have an expectation that we are going to probably someday get caught, get convicted, and have to do the time. But once you've done the time, you're free. And the beauty is you're free now to make another choice. Am I going to continue in that lifestyle that's going to find me back in the teller line again, writing a note saying, give me all the money? Or am I going to walk away from that lifestyle, having served my sentence, having done my time, and say, you know what, I'm going to find a church. I'm going to find some sober friends to hang out with. I'm going to find somebody that doesn't even do this stuff to hang out with. And that's cool, because that's how we can begin to move on from our life. So I'm going to go ahead and read through the text. It says, now, dear brothers and sisters, you who are familiar with the law, don't you know that the law applies only while a person is living? For example, when a woman marries, and these are the examples that Nate used yesterday, when a woman marries, she is bound to her husband only as long as he lives. So obviously, if your husband dies, you, many women, they'll, they'll continue to wear a ring. They may stay devoted, but they're no longer bound to that marriage. Uh, because it says in Scripture, it says the two become one flesh. If, that, if the, the husband dies, basically is what, it, what it's saying is the wife now is free from that, that covenant made with God is free to move on and free to enter into another relationship, and there is no condemnation for that relationship and can choose to maybe enter into marriage again, another covenant with God, so that those two flesh can again become, become one. Um, so uh, while her husband is alive, she, should, she would not be committed to adultery if she married another man, but if her husband dies, so basically was saying, if... If you're out messing around, no, right? If your husband's still alive or vice versa, let's go the other way. If, you're, you know, if, you're, if your husband and your wife's still alive, you're bound to her. You shouldn't be out hanky-panking. You shouldn't be out. The grass is all, because the grass is not greener on the other side, right? It is not. Because when you're in a relationship, you bring yourself to that relationship and that's usually the problem, right? It's two people bringing all of their baggage into a relationship and then saying, let's figure it out. You know, because we don't do it like we should. You know, I know that when Austin and Vanessa were dating, they decided, hey, we're going to do premarital counseling for, they did it for a pretty long time, right? A pretty long time, a while back. You know, I don't know what took you so long to pop the question. You finally did. Congratulations on that. But, but when you do premarital counseling, you got to talk about things that you're going to face in a marriage. You know, they're lucky that they didn't come to me, right? Because I am brutally honest with premarital counseling, embarrassingly so. Because you need to talk about a lot of things that are going to come up. So let's bring them up now. 
right? So, and Vanessa was mean. She goes, no, I think we would have embarrassed you, which, well, I don't know. I'm glad I didn't have to find out. So somebody else had to go through all of that. But, but if he dies, she is free from the law and does not commit adultery when she remarries. So, dear brothers and sisters, at this point, you died to the power of sin when you died with Christ, and now you were united with the one raised from the dead. As a result, we can produce a harvest of good, needs, good deeds for God. That's when we start, you know, when you give up the addiction, when you make the choice to live a different life, you kind of are compelled to do things differently. Do you know what I mean? You kind of start doing things that weren't normally in your nature. You start being a little bit nicer. You're like, why do I, like, why do I feel compelled to put some of my hard-earned money into that offering bag? You know, why do I feel compelled to stop at Trader Joe's and give this family some money for the holidays? You know, why do I feel compelled to maybe get involved in a ministry? Or why do I feel compelled to help somebody else? That is because when you devote your life to Christ, when you, when you die to yourself and live for Christ, he comes to live within you. And those things that you want to start doing are the fruit of that relationships being bore out. Like, why am I such a nice guy all of a sudden? You know, why do I care? You know, why do I, why do I cry at movies now? You know? I noticed that when I was, every time I kicked heroin, it was so obvious because I would, like, cry at Hallmark commercials. Just sob, just crazy, like, cry. Now, I, no, don't show me no chick flick. I'll be, like, I'll be, like, I won't even be able to, I'll be, like, inconsolable. You know, my emotions always just went like crazy. So why is it all of a sudden now that, I, you know, that, I'm, that I'm noticing my emotions, I, that my hires are high, you know, that I'm excited, that I'm thrilled, that I'm looking forward to things? That's because you're in a right relationship with God, because that's where you were always meant to be. That's where you were designed to be, and now you're there. You're like, I can do this. You know, this feels good. Now, that's not to say, and let me make this perfectly clear, that maybe something you did in the past won't come back at some point, and there may be some consequences that you have to pay. Maybe you've been evading taxes for 20 years. You know what I mean? Maybe the IRS finally sends you that notice. We're going to take everything. You know, that dreaded notice. Well, does that mean you're not walking with Christ? No. Does that mean you're not in a right relationship with Christ? No. It means you did something in the past that now it's come up. And now what tests your character is how you follow that through. You know, if you owe it, you owe it. Pay it. You know, if you've got to do some community service from the past, do it. Do whatever it is you have to do to stay in that right relationship not only with the consequence, with the court or probation or parole, or even your own conscience. You know, if something is bothering you from something you did in the past, maybe you should address it. Maybe you, you know, I know in, in AA they, a lot, they talk about, about making amends. You know, maybe there are people that you need to go back to and say, hey, you know what? I'm really sorry. You know what I mean? I, I shouldn't have done that. I was sharing with Mark uh, uh, Mark and Chelsea, like last week, something that I did when I was 
getting high many, many years ago. And, and, and I said, I really still, 22 years later, actually it was before I got sober, for like 24 years later, I feel like I still need to go back and make amends for a situation. And I, they have no idea. They have no idea. None. They would have no way of knowing. I mean, if I go there and say it, which I probably will, they're going to be like, well, we didn't know anyway. And that doesn't matter whether they knew or not. What matters is that I know. I know that I did something that I shouldn't have done some 20-plus years ago. I took something that wasn't mine. It was never even no they never even noticed it was gone. But this many years later, it's like, I should probably make that right for, for me and for my relationship with Christ. Because that proves that 20-plus that years later, God still wants to bear fruit in your life by you coming clean and maybe saying, hey, you know, 20 years ago when I was here, I was, I don't even make an excuse and say 20 years ago when I was strung out. 20, year, 20 years ago, I was here and I, this is what I did and I want to make it right, right? You are testifying to the goodness of God, right? You are showing what a relationship with Christ is all about. Whether they care or not, it doesn't matter. What matters is that you did what you thought was right in that situation, and you allowed God to continue to work in your life, and you made something that you felt was wrong right. That's part of growing in Christ. You know, I know when you first get sober, it's like, man, I quit drinking, I quit smoking, I quit cussing, I quit stealing, but then but you still get, like, what else does he want? Holy, what, what else do I have to give up? You know, well, what else do you still need to give up? You know, because we see the big things. You know, I quit lying. You know, I remember when I first quit lying, and then um, Michelle and I were really broke, super broke. We, we were barely, I mean, we barely had money for food or gas. People at the church were, like, putting groceries on our porch when we weren't home. They were putting money in our mailbox so she had gas money to get to work. She was working three jobs. I, I was working on getting my next fix. That's what I was working on. Um, but I really, I got sober and I wanted a pair of shoes. So I showed her the ad for Big Five. Look, running shoes, $29. You know, I, I was a runner in high school, right? I ran track and cross country all through high school. So I knew what a pair of $29 tennis shoes or something I had no interest in, right? But I showed her that, hey, 29, can I get some? She said, ah, okay. So, you know, um, and we had just started doing, just started doing the bridge. It was our first year of doing the bridge. And one of the, one of the fellows in the bridge is like, hey, I want to get some running shoes too. My mom will take us. And so she took us and Boy, his taste was a little bit different than mine. We didn't go to Big Five. We went to the treadmill in Carmel, right? Yeah. I got these nice A6 running shoes. They were like $149.95. So I came home, and Michelle was so happy. Did you get the running shoes? I, know, I knew what she meant. Did you get the $29 running shoes? I said, yeah, I, I, got, I got my running shoes. Well, can I see them? She didn't, like, compare them to the picture. She trusted that I got what I said I was getting. 
So about a month later, when, the, when the, the bank statement came, it was the dreaded, hey, we need to talk. These running shoes were like 150 bucks. And the worst part was she didn't get mad. She started crying. That's what, come on, yell at me, throw something at me, punch me, throw my shoes in the trash, kick me out. Don't cry. That's bad, right? Because that means I'm going to have to deal with this for like months, right? Like months. This isn't just going to be over tonight. So I told my mentor about what had happened, and he said, well, you, you, we had talked about lying, Mike. What you did was called a lie of omission, you intentionally misled her and left something out, and you let her believe something that wasn't true. I was like, dang, it's always something, right? I'm never going to be good enough. But that's just us making excuses. Whatever the Lord asks you when he, when he peels those layers, they hurt. It's like peeling the sunburn, right? It feels good, but it kind of hurts, Right? And we have to be willing to be put into that situation where we allow, like, dang, what else? That too? Okay. That too? Okay. All right. And you have to keep doing that because really think about it. The things that you're giving up are of no benefit to you. Lying didn't benefit me. Smoking didn't benefit me. Drinking didn't benefit me. Stealing didn't benefit me. Lies of omission did not benefit me. Being rude to other people did not benefit to me, benefit me at all. So everything that I gave up bettered my life. So why did I look at it, look at it as a, what else do you want? Seriously? You've taken all the fun out of my life. That's the way we look at it, right? But really, how fun was it? How fun is it being alone? How fun is it being in jail? How fun is it having nobody trust you? How fun is it being where nobody even wants to be around you? How fun is that? You know, how fun is it getting arrested? You know? Not very. But how fun is it hanging out with friends and laughing and having a good time? How fun is it getting a paycheck and being able to go buy something that you want? You know, how fun is it to be able to do that, to take your kids somewhere or your nephews or your nieces or your cousins or whatever, or go have lunch with a buddy? You know, those are things that, that are fun, that maybe we're not used to doing, but now in this new life, we're like, we're beginning to experience like, okay, I get to do things now. People trust me now. I have responsibility now. I need to do good in my job. I need to continue to follow the word. I need to continue to hang around people that's why we offer people within the church or even within the bridge, like, you should, you should get a mentor. You, when you're thinking something really stupid, you know what I'm going to say already. That's why you don't come to me. You know, that's why you call Austin or Marcus hey, or Tommy. Hey, I'm really, you know, doing something. I'm like, why don't they call me? Like, right? I mean, seriously, I might tell you it's a dumb idea. Why did you do that? But I'm not going to degrade anybody for doing, you know, something stupid. But we have, we have those people in our life that we trust. You know, I, I can see Ern sitting there, you know, and I know many times I, I've asked Casey when he was doing something, what does Ernst say? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I better call him. <laughs> yes, call him, please. Please, please have this discussion with him. 
because it's somebody safe that you can talk to that it has no dog in the fight, right? That it's going to be honest and tell you, no, that's probably not the best idea. It's probably not going to get you where you want to go in this relationship with God. You should probably rethink what you're doing, all right? So I'm going to reread a little bit. So I'm going to start picking up in verse 4. It says, so, dears and brothers and sisters, at this point you died to the power of law when you died with Christ, and now you, you, were, in an, you were united with the one who was raised from the dead. As a result, you can produce a harvest of good deeds for God. These things that we do, we do as unto God. You know, we don't take the credit for them, you know, or we shouldn't. Well, look what I did. Well, I would say if you're in a faith-based recovery minister, no, that's kind of the wrong thing because how many times do you fall flat on your face? What's different this time? You're in, a, you're in a relationship with Christ this time. So let's give a little credit where credit is due. You know, I, I okay, I, I am in a relationship with God, and God is helping me with this. Amen. Then say that. What do, you, what do you got to be ashamed of? What do you got to be afraid of? You know, let people know what you're doing, because you never know what you say to somebody that might change their perspective or their opinion or their direction in their life. You know, well, if it worked for him, and that guy's kind of a knucklehead, he's always been kind of a knucklehead, and now look at him, or now look at her. Maybe, maybe there's something here that will benefit me in my life. Do you, you know what I'm saying? You know, when I met Christina a year ago, and she talked about, you know, I want to, you know, I, I went to school, I'm going to, you know, I want to get a job in my profession. I'm like, and knowing her, how far off she was at that point, it was like, to me, it was like a pipe dream. Like, are you really going to settle down enough to actually do all the million things you need to do to do it? You know? Yes, right? But it took a commitment. It took work. It took faith. It took dedication. It took devotion. And those are things that we have to do. We have to pick a course and figure out, now what do I need to do to build that? Right? When you, has anybody ever bought like a bookshelf from Ikea? Don't! No, <laughs> please! Because that is a commitment. If you are a man, you have to read the directions. You got to find all the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P screws and put them in piles, right? To the right length and the right head and the right, and the right washers. And you have to like put them all together and you have to get this massive book of, of instructions and you have to rebuild the shelf 11 times, right? Because I, I watched somebody not that long ago out here in front, put the same chair together wrong four times. <laughs> Paul, Paul was there. Four times! He said, wait, just don't leave, because we were trying to leave. Don't leave. This piece is on backwards, because the chair was like this. I'm like, okay. So he took it all apart. All right, it's good. Stood it up, and it was like, what did you, oh, I put it on backwards again. Forget it. We're done. We're done. You can get in the car. You're leaving. 
Somebody else will do it. So that's because we think sometimes that we got it. I got this, a piece of cake, it's easy, I don't need the directions. You know, I've told this story before, when I, my first date with Michelle ever, she had a hamster, or her daughter, Lindsay, had a hamster, and she was pretty broke, and so I'm going to be the hero, and I bought, bought one of those little, it was called a habit trail. It was like tubes. It's a little hamster, and there was tubes. It was pretty cool. They went like everywhere, everywhere. So I came over, and I, I made, you know, I, first thing I did what any good man does, you take the directions out of the habit trail, and you throw them in the trash. I made lasagna. <laughs> I made lasagna for dinner, so all the onion peels, the garlic peels, the, you know, the tomato cores, you know, got to make homemade sauce, you know, you got you to gotta impress her, you know, no ragu here, you know, so everything went in the trash can, and we ate dinner, and, you know, literally about five hours later, I'm like, crap, where are the directions? I couldn't put it together. There was, there was, and here, you want to be freaking, there was no internet then. <laughs> internet was about a year and a half before it was born. So there was no Googling anything, right? It was called dig in the trash, shake the, the garlic and the tomatoes and everything else off of there and, and be like, all right. I'm going to put it together. It never completely got together correctly. It was good enough for the hamster. But my point is, we think we know how to do stuff when we actually need to take the time to call my mentor, ask for some advice, slow down, take a breath, take a chill pill, you know, do it in the right order, and do it intentionally. You know, if this is what I want to do, this is what I have to do, and I have to do it in this order. Just like putting your Ikea thing together. You know, really, if you line up all the screws, you line up all the wood, you measure everything, you open the glue, you set everything out, you only have to build it like four times <laughs> instead of the standard seven. You see what I'm saying? But it makes things much better. So, but when we take a deep breath and slow down and we say, all right, Lord, this is where I want to go. This is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. And slow down, smell the roses, take your time and do it and do it intentionally. And if we do that with our life, things just go way smoother. It's like, wow, this worked. I, I, I think maybe I can do this. I, I, think, I, I think I'm going to do this this time. Right, I had a conversation with somebody tonight that this is their third time, and they're 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 successful, you know, and it's like, praise God, and it was the slowing down, the taking a deep breath, the not you don't have to be right, right. I argued with this person constantly. You know, I'm not arguing with you for me. I'm arguing with you. I'm I'm on your side. I'm arguing for you. You know what I mean? And realize that people are here because they want to see you succeed. They want to see you be successful. Why does Ernst, who has a beautiful wife and two beautiful twin daughters, 
at home, why does he come every week? Right? Why does he come? Right? Yeah, okay, you know, maybe this is a, maybe his daughters go insane this time of night on Monday nights. I don't know. You know, maybe we're doing him a favor, you know? You know, maybe Gretchen is like it's her time away from him? No. I, I know that to be not true. I know this to be a man that's dedicated to people in recovery, that likes to see people be successful, right? Not only does he mentor, and not only is he here and, 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 and teaches for me, he, he also is on the board of directors for the bridge. So he is very committed and devoted to helping all of you do something different in life. Because that's what God has put into his heart on his own personal journey. Because this wasn't the old Ernst, right? The old Ernst came from a wealthy family who was catered to and given everything, silver spoon, right? You know, don't stoop down to this level, you know? This would be considered beneath him where he came from. But yet, when he, when he because of his own shortcomings, when he, when he opened himself up and allowed God to start peeling off those layers, and he started like, all of a sudden, why do I, why do I give a darn about those stupid drug addicts? Or why do I care about the, all those guys that live in the yellow house? Or why do I care that five girls live in one house with one bathroom? Why do I, why do I care? You know? Because God put it in his heart. God began to change him. He be, began to bear fruit in his life. And it's like the thing, why all, of a sudden, why all of a sudden do I care? Well, you care because you start becoming the person that God intended you to become all along. He never intended you to become that other person, that other guy, that other girl. Spend time in jail, homeless on the streets, whatever... God forsaken thing we were doing. That's not what God intended for us. So we get back to what God intended for us, and it's like foreign. Like, really? This is how it was always meant to be? Don't you wish we could have all found that out a long time ago? Really? Think about it, right? You might have that house, you know, up in Toro Park, or you might have that nice boat or that nice car or that. You might have, you might have finished law school, right? Probably not, but you never know, you know? Never know. And I'm not trying to discourage anybody. So if you, want, if you want to go to law school, amen. I'm all for you. I'm not saying you shouldn't. But what I'm saying is, are we committed to make the changes we need to make to do, to do the things that we feel like God wants us to do, right? Remember when Austin came back from Napa, he's like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? You know, I want to be in ministry. What am I going to do? I want to get married. I don't have any money. What am I going to do? Right? Well, he got the sickest job in the world. You know, he works in the emergency department, works with addicts, getting them into programs, and he gets paid pretty darn good for it. Right? But those are the things that happen when we follow God's lead, when we allow him to do the things in our life that need to be done. Amen? All right, let me go. But now that we've been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive, but now we can serve God not only in the old way of obeying by the letter of the law, but in a new way in the living spirit. It's about being that person that is here to serve, that cares, you know, that, you know, Dorothy, you know, she, I don't even think she's in here. 
She's like, I want to bless everybody here with food tonight. Right? Okay. And so she did. She called a catering truck, and she set it up, and the guy came out, and she gave him money, and he fed everybody and packed up and left. You know? And you could talk to Dorothy. That's not the old Dorothy, right? The old Dorothy was a hard nose, right? Military background, CO, you know, boot in the behind, you know? You guys are getting exactly what you deserve, right? But then God started to change her heart, and she's like, what the heck? What is going on? I don't even like, just tell me one day, she goes, you know, Pastor Mike, I don't even like drug addicts. Okay. I was taught they're weak, right? And you have to think about it. Somebody that's been a corrections officer their whole adult life, I mean, we're the people that annoy them. You know, we're the whiny little people causing problems and conflict and making, you know, life miserable. But how does somebody like that who doesn't like this particular people group all of a sudden fall in love with them? And then be like, what? This is crazy. I don't even like you guys. I don't even like, I don't like you guys. Why, why do I all of a sudden care about you guys? And why do I, why do I, I was going through a, a list the other day of, of volunteers that we have, because we used to have really no volunteers for Monday night. And then George is like, well, Pastor Mike, can I find some volunteers? And I'm like, yeah, whatever, you're going you're gonna to start all this stuff and you're going to drop it and me and Michelle are going to have to finish it, whatever. You know, I was going through my list the other day and I was absolutely in awe that we have 35 volunteers. 35 for this meeting. You know, that's child care workers, that's hospitality, that's people who come and make coffee and donate their time and their energy and their money, you know. So how does God take a hardened person like that and make him the person that, that she is today? That's by being open, obedient, and open to the Spirit of Christ. But we can all be that. We can all do that. We can all be those people that God can use mightily to change somebody's life. You know? That's, that's pretty awesome, I think. And we, but we can only do that if we are obedient to his calling, that, we, that if we walk away from the old way of doing things, that we are open to the new way of doing things, that we are obedient to his calling. Because that's really the only way that it works. Because if you don't, you're going to do it over and over and over and over and over and over. You know? I know people in jail that are in their 70s that have been telling me for 25 years they were, this, they were, they were going to stop. You know? Who in this room tonight wants to be in Monterey County Jail when you're 74 years old eating off a tray, wearing sh orange shower shoes, talking to your family on a tablet on Christmas, waiting for an eye care package. Anybody? No takers? Why? But isn't that where we're destined if we don't change? You know? Every person that I talked to had the intent to change but not the will of the desire. Because intending to do something is great. We all intend to do that. We all, really, we, are, we all intend to win the super lotto, right? Don't we? 
You know, I, I don't usually buy lotto tickets, but when I was in Idaho, I'm like, it's $2 billion. $2 billion. Now, I just know that because I'm in Idaho, that I'm going to go buy a ticket. And because I'm in Idaho, you know, God's going God's to, man, he's going to give me that $2 billion because I'm going to use it for ministry, All right? So I, I think I bought five tickets. You know, I wasn't surprised when I got one number out of all of the numbers, and I was even less surprised when somebody in California won it, right? So we can have all the intent we want, but unless we actually get busy and do what God has called us to do, nothing's going to change. You're not going to win the lotto, right? You're not just going to just get through life by sheer luck. The only, what you need to do is get busy about the business of God, do the things you need to do in your life to make the changes you need to make. I was reading a, a Facebook post from Jasmine the other day, and I was, I was like, like it literally, it, it caused me to have tears. You know, I was glad nobody was in my office, because I sometimes do that, and when people walk in, you have to like fake, you know, like, oh, you know, I guess I'm in my eye. But she was talking about how two years ago, you know, being separated from her family, being in jail, never thinking she was going to change, never thinking she could change, never thinking she had the ability to change, to now be working two jobs, paying her rent, having her son back in her life, having sober friends. She never thought that that could happen, right? And when a court tells us, when, when a judge gets on the, the Zoom call or, or in person or a public defender tells us this person is incapable of change, watch God. Seriously? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, whatever, you know. But that's, what, but that's what happens. Amen? That's what it's about. But God. Amen? So I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. So Lord, we... we and oh, and I also forgot. So we are going to do our Christmas thing here on December what? Where's my buddy? 19. Where's, no, where's my other buddy? Where's my other buddy? Oh, come on now. Where's the, where's the big bump? Where's bump? Oh, he, he better be in here. Oh he's, oh, he's downstairs. So a while back, Bumper and I had a cook-off. We had a tri-tip cook-off, right? I won, he said, because it was rigged, right? So Whatever. So we, we agreed to have a collard green cook-off. So we, we will be doing that on that night. So he will cook whatever letter we choose. We'll both cook collard greens, and we'll put them in a container. We'll have a mark on it, and you will be able to vote on that. So, well, he said if I, he loses to me, he's moving he would never be able to show his face around here again. 
So, which, that's why we didn't have it, why he was in the bridge, because I didn't want to beat him and have him move away. So, but it's all, it's all in the spirit of fun. So we, that will happen on, on, on that night. We'll have our uh, collard green cook-off and, and have a good time. But that's what it's about. It's just about having fun, honoring God. Amen? Amen. So, Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We ask you to bless each and every individual in this room tonight. Lord, bless our families and be with those, Lord, that are still out there. In Jesus' name, amen.